Chapter 18 Cody uttered a loud shriek and stumbled backward. The rat, its teeth bared, sailed at her, missed, hit the hard floor with a disgusting plop. Momentarily stunned, it gazed up hungrily at Cody. Its long, pink tail twitched back and forth over the floor. It pulled itself to its feet, and before the rat could leap again, Cody kicked out at it. Her wet sneaker caught the rat in the belly. It let out a startled shriek as it went flying into the wooden crate. Then it dropped heavily to the floor and scuttled away, its nails scratching over the concrete. Oh, Cody uttered a sigh of relief. Her heart thudded loudly in her chest. She could still feel the heavy rat against the toe of her sneaker, still hear the soft plop the ugly creature made as it hit the floor. She shut her eyes, trying to fight down the waves of nausea that rose from her stomach, and felt Bo's arm go around her shoulders. Come on, he whispered, guiding her to the stairs. Let's get out of here. Gratefully, Cody let him lead her out of the basement. I hired that guy to get rid of the rats, Bo muttered unhappily. I thought he knew what he was doing, but I guess the job was too much for him. Cody's legs trembled as she made her way up the steep, narrow stairs. I've got to get out of this house, she told herself. I've got to get away from here. I've got to go someplace safe. If one more disaster occurs in this picture, Bo was saying. He shut the basement door tightly behind them. This film is so important to me. If one more bad thing happens, I really don't know what I'll do. The ghost of Callie floated up from the basement in time to hear Bo's words. Callie laughed to herself, a scornful snicker. One more bad thing, she wondered. One more bad thing? That can be arranged. Callie watched her sister and the movie director hurry out the front door. She floated to the window and stared out at them as they made their way down the rain-puddled driveway to his car. One more bad thing, Callie repeated, watching them drive away. No problem, guys. A cruel smile crossed Callie's once pretty face. How about tomorrow? Chapter 19 Ernie, you've double-checked everything, Cody heard Bo ask the special effects person as she stepped into the attic, closing the door behind her. Checked, double-checked, and triple-checked, Ernie reported, giving Poe a comical salute. Cody liked Ernie. He was funny. He sort of looked like a squirrel with short brown hair, pouchy cheeks, and two front teeth that stuck out. He and Bo leaned against the attic wall, studying the black metal machine at Ernie and Christian, the goo works. In addition to the goo works, the attic room was cluttered with cameras, cables, and lights. The lights were already on, so bright they drowned out the morning sunlight beaming through the closed window. Crew members huddled around the equipment, talking quietly, sipping from cardboard coffee cups, waiting for the shoot to begin. Cody hesitated at the door. Bo and Ernie were concentrating so intently on their work they hadn't noticed her come in. Finally, Bo turned around and a smile crossed his face. Right on time. How are you today, Cody? You look terrific. But how are you underneath the makeup? Cody smiled back at him. Underneath the makeup, I'm a quivering mess, she confessed. It's my first day of shooting, after all. Hey, leave the quivering messes to me, Ernie declared. Quivering messes are my job, he patted the machine. Ernie is going to explain the goo machine as soon as Rob arrives, Bo said, studying his clipboard. Remember, we rehearsed this scene back in L.A. Cody nodded. I have to scream a lot, she remembered. A lot, Bo agreed. Hope you're in a good voice this morning, dear. The attic door opened and Rob entered. He greeted everyone cheerily and flashed Cody a warm smile as he walked over to her. Where were you last night? Cody whispered. Why did you drive away and leave me? Huh? Rob's face was confused. You told me to go on without you. Don't you remember? I what? Cody cried equally confused. You ran out to the car. You told me to leave to go back to the hotel. I did not, Cody whispered very confused. But you did, Rob insisted. I never would have driven off if you hadn't told me to. Let's get to work, kids, Bo scolded. Oh, right. Sorry, Rob replied, blushing. What's up? You're going to be up. 
Up on your knees in green goo, Bo told him. Come over here, guys. I want to block this out quickly. Once the goo starts pumping, we have to get it right. That's for sure, Ernie added. And if we have to do a second take, it'll take hours to clean this stuff off the floor first. Better alert that cleaning woman will be hired, Bo joked. Tell her she may be getting a lot of overtime. Bo positioned Cody and Rob for the scene, moving them to spots marked in chalk on the floor, then checking with the camera operator to make sure they looked okay. He instructed the crew to move some lights, then he returned to Cody and Rob. A quick run-through, okay? You rehearsed this yesterday on your own, right? Kind of, Cody lied. I'm pretty sure I've got it. Bo's eyes narrowed at her disapprovingly. Kind of. It's getting close to our break, Ernie called from behind the machine. Let's get started, Bo replied impatiently. He pointed down at the floor. See those ducks? Don't stand on them, he instructed. Those are the goo ducks, Rob asked. Bo nodded. Ernie has four of them, hidden in the floor. When I throw the switch, the green stuff is going to come pouring up, Ernie told them. Now, don't be surprised. It's going to come pumping up really fast. Be surprised, Bo corrected him. Be very surprised, okay, kids? He put a hand on Cody's shoulder. I want you to be more than surprised. When that goo starts flowing, I want you to be terrified. Got it? It's thick and it should be a little warm, Ernie told him. It looks real lumpy like oatmeal, but don't worry. It doesn't smell. It has no odor at all. Cody let out a sigh of relief. Rob laughed, nervous laughter. She felt glad that Rob was nervous too. What if I mess up, she asked herself. They said it'll take hours to clean the floor so we can start again. If I mess up the scene, I'll be so embarrassed. If it's pumping right, it should rise up to your ankles in no time, Ernie explained. You don't notice it until then, Bo reminded them, flipping through green-tinted script pages to his clipboard. Callie and Anthony have sneaked up to the attic to make out. You're standing there with your arms around each other, kissing passionately. We see the green gunk rising up from the floor, but you don't even feel it till it's practically to your knees. Then we scream in horror, Rob said. And do we try to get to the door right away? We have to see you struggle in the stuff, Bo instructed. It's pulling you down, sucking you under. It's rising higher and higher, and you're trapped in it. How high is it going to rise? Cody asked warily, staring down at the large round duct at her feet. Ernie laughed. <laughs> Don't worry. There's only enough goo in the machine to go up to your knees, and it's not really that sticky. Like I said, it's sort of like oatmeal. You won't have any trouble walking out of it when the scene is over. Now I understand why they gave me this yellow shirt. It's because it'll look good with the green, Rob joked. I'm all in blue and going to clash, Cody complained playfully. As you struggle, try to splash the stuff over each other, Bo instructed, ignoring their jokes. Make it look good. You know, you're thrashing your arms frantically. You're struggling. And the more you struggle, the more you get covered in the yucky stuff. What if I fall face down in it, Rob suggested. You know, just take a nosedive. Bo shook his head. It's not a comedy, Rob. If I wanted a comedy, we'd have a pie fight up here. I see where you're coming from, Rob replied seriously. I want to see the disgust on your faces, Bo told them, turning his gaze on Cody. You're up to your knees and vomit, right? You've got to make the audience feel it. You've got to make them squirm like you're squirming. You've got to make them smell it. Break, everyone! A crew member called from the attic doorway. The lights were shut off. The floorboards creaked under the weight of the workers as they hurried to the stairs. They took their breaks seriously. Hey, guys, back in 15, Bo called to them. He turned to Cody and Rob. You coming down? Want a muffin or something? Some coffee? Cody and Rob exchanged glances. I'd rather stay up here and rehearse, Cody replied. Yeah, it'll be quiet. We can get it all worked out, Rob agreed. Bo gave them a wave and hurried out the door. Rob turned to Cody. So, how are you feeling? You okay? She shrugged. You helped cool me out, she told him. 
You're always making jokes, keeping it light. That helps a lot. I'm just covering up the fact that I'm in a total panic, he exclaimed. They both laughed. What part do you want to rehearse? Where do you want to start? Rob asked. She flashed him a teasing smile. Why don't we start with this? She moved close, swung her arms around his shoulders, and pulled his head down for a kiss. When the kiss ended, she started to step away, but Rob pulled her close. Not quite right, he said playfully. I think we'd better rehearse it again. My lipstick, Cody protested. I'll have to go back to makeup. Who cares? Rob started to kiss her again when the attic door slammed. Startled, they both turned to see who had come in. No one there. Must be a breeze or something, Rob suggested. Now, where were we? She raised both hands in front of her to keep him away. Let's go over the lines, okay? She asked. Rob started to reply, but a sound against the wall made them both turn. With a loud click, the lever on the side of the goo machine slid down. The machine hummed softly, then louder as the pump started to churn. Hey, what's going on? Rob cried. Chapter 20 Cody jumped as warm, green goo splashed up over her white sneakers. I, I don't believe this, she cried. The thick green liquid was spouting up from all four ducks. Something started up the machine, she realized. We've got to turn it off before it messes up the whole scene. Ow, it's hot, Rob exclaimed as the green goo splashed the leg of his jeans. Dodging around a spouting duck, her sneakers sliding over the chunky green liquid, Cody reached the machine first. She grabbed a lever and tried to tug it back up. Hey, she cried out when it wouldn't budge. The machine chugged away. Turning back, she saw the green goo spreading over the attic floor. It made a sickening plopping sound as it poured out from the four ducks. Cody tried the lever again. No success. Rob bent to help out. Cody stepped back to let him try his luck. He strained with both hands. It, well, move, he cried. I can't turn it off. I thought Ernie said the stuff didn't smell, Cody exclaimed, her face twisted in disgust. The foul odor brought back a flood of awful memories. Oh, the sour aroma invaded Rob's nose, too. It smells like really sour milk, he groaned. Cody took a deep breath and held it, trying to stop the nausea that gripped her stomach. Rob gave the lever one more hard pull with both hands, putting all his strength into it. Ah! He let out a cry of frustration and stepped back. Ow! This stuff is hot! It's burning hot, Cody declared. She raised her knees up high as she backed away. The green liquid bubbled and gurgled up over her sneakers. We've got to go get Ernie and Bo, Rob cried. The lever is totally stuck. Cody started to the attic door. Ow! The machine! It must be broken! Why is the goose so hot? Her sneakers stuck. She struggled to raise them. She felt a stab of fear in her chest. It, it's holding me down, Rob. Me too, he called close behind her. He leaned his weight forward, trying to move. Oh, that putrid smell. Cody heard him cry out. She spun around in time to see him fall forward, his hands shooting out to break the fall. Ow! He landed with a hard splat, then raised his head, his eyes wide with fear. I, I can't get up, Cody. It's holding me, holding me down. Huh? Cody let out a surprised cry. She turned back to him, her sneakers sliding in a hot green liquid. The goo made a slapping sound as it washed over her ankles and spread onto the legs of her jeans. She stretched out both hands, reached down for him. Hold on, Cody urged. I've got you. She grabbed his hands. They were sticky with goo. Thick clots of it rolled down his bare arms onto the front of his yellow t-shirt. Help me. I feel really sick, Cody. I think I'm going to hurl. She helped to pull him up. He grabbed her shoulder and hoisted himself to his feet. Stop, you're smearing it all over me, she cried. The chunky green liquid rolled over the floor like ocean waves, rolling up under their jeans, halfway up their legs. Where is everyone, Cody demanded. Can't anyone hear the pump going? 
Can't anyone hear that the stupid machine started up? Rob didn't reply. He was concentrating on raising one foot, then the other, making his way slowly, with enormous effort, toward the attic door. The sour aroma swept over Cody. She tried to breathe through her mouth. The gurgling, lapping green liquid rose higher, nearly to her knees. It burned her legs, clung to her jeans, splashed against her as she struggled to move. Rob made it to the door first. Cody saw that his forehead dripped with sweat. His face was bright red. He was breathing hard from his efforts. Pull the door open, Cody urged. Quick, Rob. It's up to my knees. She watched him grab the knob. His sticky hand slipped off it. He wiped his hand on a dry patch on the side of his jeans and grabbed the doorknob again. He turned it and pulled. Cody saw his face grow redder. Hey! He let out a startled cry. Hurry, Rob, she urged. It's really burning me now. My legs are on fire. Mine too, he choked out. He tugged at the door. She saw his feet slip on the thick, slimy surface. He caught his balance by throwing his shoulder against the door. Then he pulled again, pulled until his face was nearly purple. Rob, what's wrong? Cody called shrilly, struggling to reach him. He turned back to her, his eyes wide with horror. The door, he cried. It's locked. Chapter 21 It can't be, Cody cried. The hot green liquid rolled against her legs, wave after sickening wave. She kept shifting her weight, lifting her legs high, struggling not to become stuck. Rob tried the door again, pulling with all his strength. He screamed for help. There was no reply. She saw his hand slip off the doorknob again, saw him stumble backward. The sticky green goo swept up against Rob's waist. He turned to her, his features tight with fear. Didn't Ernie say there's only enough goo to come up to our knees? Cody nodded. It won't go much higher, she said, trying to sound hopeful. It'll turn off any second now. But so far, everything Ernie had said had been wrong. They should be back from their break, Rob said, pounding with both fists at the attic door. Where are they? He screamed again, still no reply. Cody was fighting hard, trying to forget, but still remembering. Remembering the horrors her family had faced in this frightening house. Remembering the night the disgusting green goo had poured down the bathroom walls. Ernie's machine isn't pumping this green goo, she realized. This is the evil of the house. Callie, are you here? Cody called suddenly. Callie? Rob's mouth dropped open. He leaned forward, pushed his legs up, trying to cross a swirling, seething sea of green to get to her. Cody, are you okay? Callie is here, Cody replied, her eyes darting around the room. I can sense it. But Cody, Rob was pushed back by a high wave. Callie will help us, Rob, Cody assured him. She's here. I know she is, and she will help us get out of here. Cody, please, Rob begged, struggling harder to pull himself through the swirling hot liquid. Take a deep breath. I'll get us out of here. You think I'm crazy, don't you? Cody accused him sadly. Turning away from him, she cupped her hands around her mouth and shouted, Callie! Callie! If it gets any higher, we can swim out, Rob called. It's too thick to swim in, Cody replied grimly. She called to her sister again. No reply. The only sound in the room now was the gurgle and splash of the green liquid as it rose higher and higher. It, it's so gross, Cody complained. I can't move, Rob. I feel as if it's pulling me down into it. Stay on your feet, Rob ordered. It can't get much higher, can it? They raised their arms to keep them out of the rolling goo, which had climbed waist high. Thick chunks washed against their bodies, swirling in the steaming broth. The aroma grew stronger, choking them, sickening them, forcing them to breathe hard through their mouths. Callie? Callie, can you hear me? Cody cried frantically. Are you here? Can you help us? No reply. Your sister is dead, Cody, Rob said softly. She can't help us now. She's here, Cody told herself. She's here. I know she is. Why isn't she helping us? Sweat poured down Cody's face. 
her wet hair matted against her forehead. I feel as if I'm melting, she moaned, melting right into it. Rob didn't answer. He was wiping green chunks off the front of his t-shirt. Rob, it's getting higher, she said weakly. Pretty soon, we won't be able to move. Cody searched desperately around the room. Hey, the window, she cried. Rob, that window leads out to the roof. All right, Rob cried excitedly, his enthusiasm quickly fading. What makes you think we can get over to it, Cody? We have to, Cody declared. Leaning forward, pressing into the thick swirls of green, she started toward the window. It feels as if it's pushing me back, Rob called from behind her, as if it's deliberately trying to keep me from the window. Keep going, Cody urged breathlessly. Keep pushing. Ah, uh, I don't think I can make it, he cried weakly. Um, I'm going to drown in this stuff. No, she turned her head. We're moving, Rob. We're almost there. Keep going. Don't give up. The smell. I feel really. His voice trailed off. Only a few more feet, Cody murmured. A few more feet. She thrust her body forward, her arms outstretched. The thick liquid swept against her, pushing her back, wave after hot wave. But she kept her legs moving, kept pushing, 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 until her outstretched palms pressed against the glass of the window pane. Yes, she cried triumphantly. We're going to get out of here now, Rob. Hurry, we're going to get out. Her hands slid over the glass. She placed them on the window frame and pushed. The window didn't budge. She pushed harder. Her feet slid out from under her. The hot green liquid splashed against her chest. Regaining her balance, Cody checked the lock on top of the lower sash. Not locked. She pushed up against the frame. The window didn't budge. It's stuck too, she managed to choke out. She banged both fists furiously against the glass. Let us out! Let us out! She cried in shrill terror. The hot, churning liquid had climbed over her waist. With a desperate burst of strength, she turned to the left, reached out, grabbed a light tower, a slender metal frame that held two large lights. Nearly losing her balance again, nearly slipping headfirst into the goo, she managed to raise the light tower into the air. Holding it shakily over her head with both hands, she slammed it hard against the window glass. The window pane cracked. A spider web of cracks spread over the glass, and then the glass dropped out onto the roof. Yes, Cody cried happily, knocking the jagged shards out too. Tossing the light tower behind her, she raised both hands to the windowsill. It took all of her remaining strength to lift herself out of the thick liquid. Pulling until her knees rose to the sill, she half fell, half dived onto the flat shingle roof. Rob, she called. Hurry, Rob, we're out. We're okay. When he didn't reply, Cody felt dread tighten in the pit of her stomach. Rob, she called, her chest aching as she struggled to catch her breath. Rob? Sliding over the shingles, she crawled back to the window. Pressing both hands on the sill, she peered into the attic room. No! A horrified wail burst from deep inside her. Rob! No! Chapter 22 As the howls escaped her throat, Cody peered in at Rob. He floated lifelessly on the surface of the tossing liquid, his face buried in the goo, his arms sprawled straight out. He was inches from the window, inches from escape. He probably tried to swim, Cody realized, and the disgusting liquid held him under. Rob! Rob! She called to him without realizing it, unable to hear her voice over the pounding of her heart, over the pain of her thoughts. And then, without thinking about it, in a blur of action, Cody climbed onto the windowsill, lowered herself to her knees, took a deep breath, and leaned over the thick, swirling broth. Stretched out both hands, stretched them farther, leaning in as far as she could, reached, reached, grabbed Rob by the hair, and tugged his face out of the goo. Are you still breathing? She wondered. Please, Rob. Please be breathing. Please? She had no choice. She had to lower herself back into the hot goo. Wrapping her hands under Rob's armpits, she swung him onto his back. The green slime clung to his face, to his clothes, to his hair. 
Grabbing the windowsill with her left hand, she pulled Rob over the surface of the goo with her right. I can't lift him out, but maybe I can slide him, she thought. Please, Rob, please be breathing. She had to let go of him to hoist herself out of the deep liquid and back onto the windowsill. Then she turned back, bent to grab him with both hands, tugged, tugged until it felt as if her chest were about to burst. She toppled backward as his body came sliding out of the flat roof. She landed hard on her side, but ignored the pain and quickly scrambled back to him. Please breathe. Please? He lay sprawled on his back, his eyes shut, his body still. Please? Please? Cody pounded hard on his chest. Please breathe. Please breathe. She gasped in one deep breath after another, but her chest continued to ache. Leaning over Rob, she frantically wiped green clots from around his mouth. Then she lowered her mouth to his and began giving him mouth to mouth. Oh! She let out a low moan as she tasted the sour green goo. It felt gritty against her lips. It tasted like rancid buttermilk. But she lowered her mouth once again to his and breathed, pushing her breath into him, trying to ignore the sour taste. Breathe. Breathe. Rob groaned. Yes. Breathe. Breathe. He groaned again and blinked his eyes. Cody raised her head, wiping a green clot from her chin. Yes. Rob was breathing on his own now, breathing noisily, but breathing. Shutting her eyes, Cody said a silent prayer of thanks. Then she turned away from Rob and started to vomit. The next afternoon, Bo furiously paced back and forth in the living room, talking in a high, excited voice. Cody shrank back on the couch against the wall. Why does he keep glaring at me like that, she wondered, as if what happened was my fault. I don't see how we can continue. This is a farce, Bo, Persia was saying from the other couch. One of her assistants brought her a Diet Coke and a tall glass. This movie will be made. We have to continue, Bo replied heatedly, and fast. He continued to pace, swinging the clipboard in one hand as he walked. If I know Rob's father, he'll have the place swarming with lawyers in no time. He'll sue us for every penny the production has. He'll charge negligence, and he'll win. How is Rob? Cody asked from the back of the room. She'd been calling the hospital all morning, but they wouldn't give her any information. The word from the hospital is that he's doing pretty well, Bill replied grimly. He's in shock, they say, but he's going to be okay. We're all in shock, someone murmured. I can still smell that stuff in the air, someone else said. A few people turned to stare at Cody. Do they expect me to still be covered in it or something? She wondered unhappily. Why is everyone gawking at me? Anyone seen Ernie? One of the prop crew asked. The room fell silent. Ernie is no longer with us, Bo replied finally. I, uh, had no choice. I had to fire him. He swallowed hard. Ernie and I were together a long time, but he, he nearly ruined the whole production with that stupid machine of his. The room rumbled with whispers and surprise murmurs. It wasn't Ernie's fault, Cody realized, crossing her arms over her chest and sinking back into the armchair. It wasn't Ernie's machine that spewed up that green goo. It was the house. And, as that frightening thought lingered in Cody's mind, she glanced up and saw a wisp of light at the window. The light shimmered into a pale white mist, and inside the mist, Cody recognized her sister. Callie! As she called out the name, the light faded. The image vanished. Cody blinked. Cody, are you okay? Bo demanded, hands pressed against the waist of his baggy chinos. Uh, yeah, I guess, Cody replied uncertainly. Her eyes on the window. She expected to see Callie appear once more. She wanted to see Callie appear. We're lighting the dining room for tomorrow morning, Bo told them. We'll shoot the attic scene later. He checked through some pages on the clipboard. 
Then he gazed at the middle-aged actor sitting beside Persia on the couch. This will be your first scene, Bert, he said. Cody turned her attention to Bert Martindale, the actor chosen to play her father. He had just been cast and arrived from the set late. Cody had said hello to him, nothing more. He seemed friendly. He had twinkling blue eyes under his thinning blonde hair and a warm smile. It bothered Cody that Bert didn't look at all like her real father, but she told herself this was the movies. I hope I have an easier time of it than you, Bert called across the room to Cody. I hope so, Cody replied, sighing. Do you know how to swim? Persia asked Bert dryly. Not funny, Persia, Bo said sternly. No jokes, I mean it. He glanced nervously around the room. Marge and Noah, where are you? Marge Anderson raised her hand above her head and waved at Bo. She was a frail-looking actress with short blonde hair and a fretful expression, chosen to play Cody's mother. Marge was very shy and quiet, Cody had discovered during their rehearsals in Los Angeles. She sat near the window beside Noah Klein, the ten-year-old who played Cody's brother James. I want to block out the dinner scene with the actors, Bo announced. The rest of you have your assignments. We're going to shoot this first thing tomorrow. And, he added, saying every word slowly and distinctly, there will be no slip-ups or problems. Understood. Murmured agreements and comments filled the air as everyone stood up and moved quickly from the living room. Cody didn't feel at all like reading through the dining room scene. She was eager to find Callie. Callie had appeared to her by the window. Callie must want to talk to me, Cody told herself. If only I could go find her. But Cody knew she had no choice. She had to rehearse the frightening scene. Pulling herself up, she started to follow Bo and the others into the dining room. But Persia stepped in front of her, blocking Cody's path. Cody, does your hair look a little green from that awful gunk, or is it just the lighting in here? Persia asked, a cruel smile on her full, dark lips. Persia, I'm really in no mood, Cody started to say. Yeah, you look really tired, Persia commented. I just wanted to get your approval of an idea I told the Bo. An idea, Cody asked wearily. Well, just a seating idea, Persia replied. I know we were supposed to be across from each other at the table when Bert stabbed himself, but I thought it would be more tense if we sat side by side, and if maybe you and I had some sort of argument about the carving knife. Huh? Cody's face twisted in confusion. You know, to show how competitive we two sisters are, Persia continued. Bo loved the idea, really. Well, okay, Cody started to agree. I put myself on your left because that's my better side, Persia told her. Is that okay, Cody? I wasn't sure which is your better side. What a cruel dig, Cody thought bitterly. Persia really is the meanest person I ever met. Without replying, she stepped past Persia and made her way into the dining room. The room was cluttered with equipment. Workers from the lighting and sound crew scrambled over every inch, preparing for the next morning's shoot. Two young women, the prop master and her assistant, were busily setting the table. Cody eased around a boom mic, then started toward Bo and the others at the head of the table. But the object lying in the center of the white linen tablecloth made her stop and stare. A large, black-handled carving knife. The fat blade gleamed under the harsh overhead lights. Cody's vision blurred, and in the shimmery glow of that knife blade, she saw her real family, Callie and James and her mother and father, sitting around a table in the same dining room two years ago. Such a happy scene. Their first dinner in this, their new house. Mr. Fraser stood to carve the roast beef. Callie got up from her chair and headed for the kitchen. As Callie passed behind him, the knife flew up as if pushed by an unseen hand. The family watched in shock as the knife plunged deep into Mr. Fraser's side. The happy dinner ended in cries and panic. The horror had begun. I'm going to put you at the head of the table, Bert, Cody heard Bo saying in the back of her mind. 
and Marge, let's try to get you within reach of him here, on the side. What about me? I thought I sat closest to the father, Cody heard Noah say. Bo's reply faded into the background as Cody found herself staring at the gleaming carving knife. This knife is just a prop. No one is really going to get stabbed this time, Cody told herself. So why do I have such a bad feeling, such a cold, cold feeling about this knife?